Welcome to the Relational Recovery Podcast. I'm your host, Wes Thompson, joined by my co-host, Austin Hill. Today, we're in part six in our conversation. We hope you enjoy. You know, I've just never been a believer that there's any hope of a better past. So I'm not a big one on regrets. I feel say, what's your greatest regret? And I'm like, that to me is like Sisyphus pushing a rock up a hill. That's going to roll back down on and it's just going to get worse and it's going to get worse. And, you know, I don't regret one thing. I regret many, many things. And if I keep digging at it, I'll just keep picking at that scab until I bleed to death. And so I have to understand what I'm capable of. I have to understand, you know, where I've been and that I could have went further given time and, you know, space and rope, you know. So, you know, but we have to stop. And then we have to start the work. And then we always have to realize where we were, what we're capable of, and where we could go back to. I mean, this has a misery back guarantee. I can go back and get all of that stuff back. I can go back and just crawl back into that hole. But what I found was when I got sober, my problems didn't change, but I changed. My view of my problems changed. The way I approached my problems changed. And all of a sudden, if I had 10 problems... I could deal with five of them because of the way I approached them all of a sudden was so much different. I approached them with a different clarity and all of a sudden it's like magical things are happening, you know, and some of this stuff's getting better. It's not all getting better, but life's getting much, much better. And then we're just working through these things because now I've got some tools because by the time I stopped drinking, the only tool in my toolbox was a hammer and the world was a nail. And that's the only one I was using. So when you started giving me a few more tools, I still have the hammer. It's okay. We got to have that. But I've got a lot of other tools too, and I rarely have to go for the hammer today. And so you know, but the first thing is we we have to stop. It has to stop, and that's where the where it starts is with the stop. And that's that's the truth. Man, that's good. I wish we had more time. We're going to have to talk again soon. Um, I've got so many questions, but where I'd like to end is just one thing that. I'm curious about is I think, I think, you know, my worldview centers around, I think people need meaning. I mean, you, you, you look back at the writings over, over, over hundreds of years and and I think human beings have always needed and searched for and desired deeper meaning. And I know at the refuge, we, we believe in, in Jesus Christ. And we believe we have a, you know, a Christian worldview. And I'm curious, like, where did that show up for you? And I, I don't know, did you grow up around church or like where, how did that all happen? My, my, I was raised in a Christian household. My, my family, I was in church from the time I was born. You know, we lived over in Holly Hill on the west side. That's where I was born and raised. Went to a little Baptist church there. My, my mom never drove her whole life. My father worked a lot of different shifts, so we would walk to church. Um, and then we just kind of worked our way through churches. My parents hopped around a bit. We were in a, a, I spent a lot of my life in a Methodist church down in Grove City. Um, down on Han Road. And then uh, my parents went to the NAS for, were, until they died, my parents went to the NAS. Um, Ann and I hopped around churches uh, quite a bit. So no, I was always in the church. I knew who God was. I always had that peace. And I think that's what made my recovery so much easier and more seamless. Because um, I had gotten away from the church. I really wasn't going. Um, I just had kind of had kind of gotten away from it, but I never had stopped believing. I never had walked away from God. I was kind of a sporadic prayer, but it was, it had kind of turned into foxhole prayers, you know, got to get out of this problem, got another one, God, here we go. 
But, um, you know, once, pretty before I had stopped drinking, I kind of saw that I was just out of control. And I had, we had, Ann and I had started getting back into church again, and I'm starting to, to explore that. And as you and I have talked about, I was, I was beginning to read a lot of Tim Keller. So Tim Keller had a lot to do in my life in that time. And then when um, it finally just blew up after another blackout, and I'm like, I just can't do this. Um, and, and I got into A, and the, the funny thing was, I was going to a church, and, and I, real quickly, I um, the first AA meeting I walked into, I had, I had committed to Ann that I would get some help, and that's all I really knew at that time. I didn't know what else to do. So there was a church I was going to, had it, I, I had looked in the AA book, and there was an AA meeting, so I figured I'll go find these eight or nine guys sitting in a circle in the basement, you know, complaining about their alcoholism. And I pulled up the church, and the parking lot was absolutely overrun, packed with cars. And I'm like, gee, because, you know, someone's going to see me. They're going to say it was a problem, but I'm committed. I'm going to sneak in the best I can to the basement and find this meeting. Well, what this was, was the downtown meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous. There's 250 people go to that meeting every Friday night. Oh, wow. It's unbelievable. And so that was my first meeting. I actually ended up speaking in that meeting a couple of years later. But um, I just think when, when we think about this whole process, you know, of of, you know, where have we been in our faith? You know, I knew who God was. So the beauty of it was he was always there. He had never left me, but my relationship with God was so incredibly broken. But when I did come back into recovery, it was so much easier for me to lean on that faith piece. I didn't have to be explained. It was like, I get it. And then so I definitely got on fire for recovery, but it also pushed me back heavily and quickly into my faith. So I was around it all my life. So I was very, very blessed. And honestly, for what I do for a living, I was very blessed that my, my parents kind of moved around churches a lot um, because I've just seen a lot of different denominations and faiths. And I think that's made it much easier working in ecumenical organizations. But no, it, I wasn't a new Christian. I had been around the Bible all my life, had been around churches, had been around that forever. Yeah. Well, like I said, man, this is great conversation. I think as we bring it to a close, one last quick question is given the fact that um, a large part of our audience is people in recovery, what is something, you know, what's something you would want to leave somebody with who's maybe just starting their journey of recovery? Mm. Um, do the work and just realize that, um, you know, I think when we first get sober, like I said a little earlier, things get good fast. Good things start happening because we're in such a dark and bad place that it doesn't take a lot for things to be a lot better. Um, but we're going to fall off that pink cloud and we're going to hit life. But that's okay because as we work our tools and we just realize there's nothing better out there. There's nothing better to go back to. You know, everything has to be forward. As I said, uh, there's no hope of a better past. We've all done horrible things, and we need to find ways to process those. We need to face those, but we need to also realize we're willing to do. We're 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 capable of doing that again. We can go back out there and do every bit of that. We can have every bit of that misery back. So it's just doing the work, staying focused, realizing that there's going to be good and bad days, and recovery is not a straight line. It's got its dips and its curves, and you know. Bad things happen to good people, as they say. You know, you're still going to have challenges. But none of that is going to be made better by drinking or using. Doesn't solve one. Never did solve one of your problems, and it's not going to solve your problems. So it's just continue to do the work because there's so much good on the backside of that. Um, 
And like I said, I've been sober for a little over 12 years and just it's been amazing just to see how God's worked in my life. And the only reason I can do what I do today is because I'm sober. If I were drinking, I couldn't be here. I couldn't be doing this. And my life would have been completely blown up. I wouldn't have relationships with my kids, with my wife. All of that is a product of sobriety and doing the work. Um, and then doing that in a relationship with Christ, you know, is just having that um, and just understanding what that means in your life and the transformation that's going to have in your life. So I, I think you just got to keep doing the work and realize um, it's, it's challenging. It's hard work. Well, Matt, thank you so much for your time. It's been good chatting. Appreciate it. Okay. Take care, man. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Relational Recovery Podcast. We'll be back soon with a new conversation. We'll see you then.